a child shall lead them. Come on, there's a revival right here, folks. It, the bishop said it last night. It's not something in the distant future. It's now. It's here. It's right now, today. Hallelujah. I wonder all over this room and all over online, would you just begin to lift your hands and love and thank God for all that he's already done? Come on, that's it. Just thank him. Lebrado was baptized just a little bit ago, and he came up out of the water speaking in tongues. There's children up here crying and praying. There's children interceding. I'm not so sure some more of them have got the Holy Ghost already. Hallelujah. Yeah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. I, I hope you can feel what we're feeling here online as you're watching this today. God is moving. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is certainly in this place. The presence of the Lord is here. And I believe that God does have a word and the demonstration of that word today. Do you believe that? If you've not felt something, received something, been healed, been delivered, just hold on. Amen. I'm asking Bishop Stoops to come, take his liberty in the Holy Ghost and speak what God has given. Children, thank you for leading in worship. Amen. Boys, we'll give you your certificates after, okay? Amen. Can we just lift our hands again and thank God? Praise God, everybody. What a wonderful presence of the Lord is in this house. And I've just been basking in the presence of God. And I know that God has some things yet that he wants to do. So I've just been enjoying worshiping with you and seeing these beautiful children as they praise and worship the Lord and remember Jesus said except you become as a little child you shall in no wise enter in so I'm thankful for all these kids thankful for the uh, the praise team that does such a great job and musicians and my goodness we're just having church aren't we Enjoy the testimonies and uh, the lesson that Brother Powell taught. That was awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. My, my father didn't live for God when I was a child. So I know what it's like not to have an apostolic dad when I was growing. But I remember... When I answered the call of God several years ago, I was called to go back. If you want to be seated, go ahead and sit down. I was called to go back to Highland, Illinois. And my father, who had not gone to church very much when I was a kid, came to church that night. 
And it was a little home missions church with metal folding chairs. And I got up and I preached my heart out. My dad sat there with his arms folded on the back row. And I turned up the heat and he still sat there with his arms folded. And finally, I just had it. I picked up a metal folding chair and I walked around in front of the pulpit and I slammed it down. And I went like this. I said, Dad, you're the only one here that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. How's that for an altar call? I said, you're the only one here that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Would you come? And I'll never forget my dad sitting there and he goes like this. He shrugged his shoulders. And he got up and he walked between the, the rows. And then I said, hmm, is he going to turn left or right? <laughs> and he turned right. And he walked down to the front. And when my dad's knees touched the floor, God marvelously filled him with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you see, my dad had got our whole family in the church, and then he immediately backslid and stayed that way. But my mother raised me to live for God. So when my father was passing, he, he, he was dying as a saved man with the Holy Ghost, and uh, I said, Dad, you got a big reward coming in heaven. He said, what? You'd have to know my dad's accent. It was crick, not creek. It was down in the holler, not down in the hollow. Okay? What? I said, Dad, there are 17 preachers in our family because you brought our family into the house of God. Isn't that amazing? By the way, my dad never stood behind a pulpit, never preached a sermon. All the time I was growing up, he was backslidden. But he made one invitation and brought a carload of people to church, one of which was my mama and my grandmother. And I'm in the church today because of one invitation. You never know the power of one invitation to church. Well, but that's not all. When he invited those folks to church, my mama's sister went down to the altar. And she got the Holy Ghost. And some of you might remember, if you're in Pentecost for a long time, you might remember there was a, a dynamic duo of uh, evangelists named Sister Nile and Sister Charlotte. They preached all over this country and all over Canada. They went down into the bayous of Louisiana and was preaching, and a man was shooting pool in a pool hall, and he said, I think I'm going to go over and hear that converted nun. Because Charlotte was a, a former nun who had taken a vow never to come out in public again. And she had a story she would tell, and my aunt would preach. He said, I think I'll go over and hear that nun preach. And he came into the service, fell on his knees, got the Holy Ghost, and that was T.F. Tenney. Yeah. Yeah. So you see the power of one invitation. Come on. Come on. Sister Charlotte went and preached, and Brother Mike Kahn in Kansas was converted. Yeah. And so the story goes on. 
Oh, I'm so glad to be with you here today. And what a pleasure and an honor it is to be here. It's already been a blessed day. If I didn't even preach, you might be wishing I hadn't when I get done. But, uh, but I'm glad to be with you. And I saw the call of God on some of these kids, by the way. I saw a little girl that's going to be a preacher. I won't tell you which one, but I, I saw her. She's anointed. Don't mess with her. The Bible says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Hallelujah. Well, it's great to be here, and I know that I have a plane to catch, so I'm going to get with it. First of all, let me say again what a pleasure it is to be with Pastor Powell and his dear wife and family, and uh, my congratulations on their upcoming wedding and in a couple weeks. So that's going to be awesome as they have another addition to their family, and that's going to be great. Brother Powell, we love you. We're so proud of you. We, we didn't know that when he was in Maine that he was going to be the district superintendent of Nebraska. But I'm glad that, that, that uh, God's using him and his wife. Sometimes the load is heavier on the wife than it is even on the pastor. So I'll be praying for you, Sister Powell, that God will give you strength and courage anointing. Make sure you get that day off and come with your husband. You know when. All right? It's got to happen. And these are precious people. Uh, actually, I was Shannon and Jackie's pastor for most of their lives. You were four? Oh, I feel so old right now. Four years old when I became her pastor, and Jackie won't tell how old she was when I became her pastor. But anyway, uh, what a wonderful delight it is. I have no greater joy than to see our children walking in truth. Praise God. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to John chapter 5, and we're going to have church. Hallelujah. In John chapter 5 and verse 1. By the way, Anybody get healed last night? You still got it? All right. Anybody else get healed? You got healed last night. Praise God. The pain's still gone. All right. Yours is going to be all right. You're going to be fine. Hallelujah. God's here. All right. John chapter 5 and verse 1. Are you ready? Come on now, are you ready? All right, here we go. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And today, for a few moments... I'm going to let the Holy Ghost talk to you on this subject. Don't give up hope. Jesus is here. Would you lift your voices and would you shout, 
Would you shout with a loud voice? Go ahead. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank God for breaking down every wall. I thank God for breaking down every barrier. I thank God for an all-consuming Holy Ghost Jesus name revival that's coming to the church of Omaha. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this city. Hallelujah. Even now, Father, your spirit is moving throughout this city. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody, believe me when I tell you that right now, we stake the flag of Jesus Christ over the city of Omaha. Are you with me? Hallelujah. We give God the praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, I will repeat just a little bit of what I said last night. If you look like you're paying attention, I will preach shorter and faster. If I think you're not listening, I will repeat and repeat and repeat. So if you even look like you're paying attention, but you aren't, I'll still honor that, okay? That's my deal, and I'm going to stick with it. In Jerusalem, over by the gate which Nehemiah had built, called the Sheep Gate, there was a pool named Bethesda. Bethesda literally means house of grace. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing gracious looking about this place. This place is a pitiful place of misery and heartache. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So get the picture with me, if you will. Crammed all around this pool is a great multitude of impotent, blind, halt, and withered people who are just waiting, waiting for a miracle. They're just waiting for the angel to come and stir the water so they can jump in and be healed. Some have been waiting for days, some for months. And then there are some who have been waiting for years. And it is, the Bible said, a, a great multitude of people with dire needs. Why are they here? Why did they come? They came because an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. The Bible says to everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under the heaven. 
Everything has a season. There is a season to sow. There is a season to grow. There is a season of harvest. The Bible said, Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, folks, stay with me. Whosoever, didn't matter where they came from, didn't matter what their place in society was, whosoever stepped in, they had to step in to the water. Whosoever stepped in, but it wasn't just stepped in, it was whosoever stepped in first. See, some folks are looking out of the side vision to see what their neighbor's going to do before they do anything. They're waiting to see how somebody else is going to respond before they respond. And unfortunately, many times that means they will not get the miracle. It will be the person who stepped in first, was made whole. I've been thinking about that. When Christ touches a life, he makes them whole. He makes them complete. He touches their mental capacity. He touches their emotions. He touches their physical health. He touches their feet and legs. He touches their torso. He touches their neck and their head. He touches their back. He is the healer of every disease. But he doesn't just touch them physically. He gives them something emotional. He gives them something that is dynamic. He changes their life. This is the first day of somebody in this building. It is the first day of the rest of your life. Today, God has come. Today, it is the season. Today, whosoever steps in first. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. There's something about chronic pain that is so debilitating. Not only to the body, but also to the psyche. It seems like it becomes a weight that crushes a person's faith. It causes them to begin to lose hope. And they begin to think, this is my lot in life. I've had this so long, it is my lot in life. I was preaching in Newfoundland, and the man had crawled to his house, unable to stand. Somehow, he managed to get into the car and get to the service. And that night, he was absolutely, instantly, and completely healed. He went from not being able to stand to be able to run and dance and jump and shout without pain. It is not the will of God for you to live in pain. It is not the will of God for you to suffer so. Matter of fact, you parents, if you had a child who was sick and in pain, your heart would bleed for them and you would say, I've got to do something for this child. Do you think that you love your child more than God, our Father, loves you? 
This man has been in this condition for 38 years. His hope is nearly gone. Matter of fact, he's gotten to the place, now listen, where now he accepts his infirmity. I started to pray for a deaf woman one time, and she stopped me. She said she would lose her subsidies. She would lose this and that, and she had become comfortable with her disability. When you have been sick for a long time, you begin to accept it as though it is God's will and as though it is fate. This man has come to such a condition. He has little reason to believe that anyone can help him. He's trapped by circumstances that he is powerless to change. But today, sir, is a different day from any other day in your life because of what I read in verse 1. It simply says, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This is different now. And when Jesus saw him lie, oh, hold on. You may think that you're here today because you came to please your spouse. Well, you're here today because it's your God-given duty. You're here today because it's Sunday. I will tell you that in the Holy Ghost, you are here today being guided by the Holy Spirit of God and that God has a purpose and a plan and a time and a season. You know, pastors get tired, and one day I was tired, and I said, I'm, I'm going to go where there's nobody that will find me. I'm going hunting. I grabbed my rifle, got in the truck, drove 20 miles, went to a, a road, pulled up on the side, grabbed my orange hat, grabbed my rifle, started walking through the woods, and just as I'm about to step out into a cut down for a power line, I look and I see a young man standing in this power line. He's got a bottle in a bag. And he's got a friend with him and they're passing a reef back and forth. And I said, God, this isn't funny. That's one of my young people. I'm telling you that even when you don't realize it, he's working. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. Even when it seems like everything's going wrong, he's working. Even when it seems like you can't feel God and God's a million miles away, he's working. I stepped out of that power line with a 30 6 in my hand. And I said, Darren! Darren's face turned ashen white. I said, come here! 
he begins to walk toward me. I got a 30-06 in my hand. I feel like drilling him. <laughs> Not really. I would pray that boy through the Holy Ghost. He would be baptized in Jesus' name, and he would die in an ATV accident later. It was imperative that God send me out to that power line. It was important that I be there. And I'm telling you that God, in his mysterious ways, will bring people together when you don't even realize he's doing it. He's bringing you together. He's brought you here today that you might receive hope, that you might receive strength, that you might receive healing. He's ready to do a miracle in your life. Don't sit there and act like nothing's going on. God is working. God is working for you right now. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he asked him this question. Will thou be made whole? That seems like a strange question to ask somebody that's been waiting for a miracle for 38 years. Will, will you, not can you, will you be made whole? Here, listen to me now. Talking to you. Sometimes life is not fair. I can't explain to you why my friend who spoke fluent Spanish and was going to be a missionary was hit by a drunken driver and killed. And his wife was taken into eternity and all the children died except for one who grew up an orphan. I can't explain to you why terrible things happen to good people. All I can tell you is that sometimes life is not fair. But I refuse to allow my circumstances to affect my attitude toward God. I refuse to become a bitter person. I'm not the only one that has had things happen that are not fair. And you're not the only one that's had things happen that are not fair. Get over it. Life is not fair. But there is a God in heaven who loves you and cares for you. And this is not the end. It's the beginning. God knows exactly how much sorrow to allow in your life. He knows exactly how much pain to allow in your life. Don't you sit there feeling sorry for yourself. God is turning you into a Joseph. They meant it for your harm, but God means it for your good. For if I had never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do through it all. Look at this man's situation. Many have been receiving their healing by going first into the water. He's waited 38 years for his turn. And it still hasn't happened. 
But would you consider with me for a moment, just for a moment. If the lame man had gotten his healing by entering first into the waters in years gone by, he never would have met Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. Could it be that God has delayed meeting your need until now so that he might fulfill a higher purpose in your life? He could have gotten his healing, but he wouldn't have been there when Jesus of Nazareth came walking to the poolside of Bethesda. Listen, friend, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to meet this Jesus, whatever it takes to serve this Jesus, whatever it takes to be this friend of Jesus, that's what I'm willing to do. The lame man would never have met Jesus had it not been for his sickness. Excuse me, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Your sickness is a gateway to the miracle of God. Why would you pray that Jesus would heal a blind man if there's nobody blind? Why would you pray, Lord, open the deaf ears if there's nobody deaf? Why would you pray, oh, God, heal every person if there's nobody that ever gets sick? But even while I'm preaching, right now there's healing power that is flowing through this building right now. Somebody, I felt virtue flowing just now. Somebody's receiving a healing while the word of God is going forth. So if you snooze, you lose. But right now, there is something going forth in this building right now. Receive your miracle right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Forget the last 38 years. Forget the last year of chronic pain and begin to envision Jesus. Envision Jesus in your mind's eye. Look at him. He's smiling at you. He's walking toward you with purposeful steps. There was healing virtue that just flowed through here. You see, know that man but God just touched him healed in Jesus name I just did a miracle for that man see the devil wants to keep you with your mind on everything else right now because God says, today I'm going to give you a miracle. But he fills the thirsty. Your miracle begins with desire. See, there are some folks that have just become, you know, they're just going to go and 
They say, well, this is just the way life is, and, and they're going to cope with it, and they're going to keep walking, and, and, and so that's their lot in life because they have got to the place now where they accept it. They don't expect it. They expect other people to be healed, but they don't feel the same faith for themselves that they feel for everybody else. They're happy. Trust me, when somebody else gets healed, they're excited. They're wonderfully glad about it. But they don't expect to be healed themselves. When it's them, they, they have a totally different attitude about them being healed than they do anybody else being healed. You know who I'm talking to. Stop it. You are just as important to God as anybody else in this building. If you were the only one, he would have gone to Calvary for you. If you were the only one, his back would still have been beaten for you. Stop it. God doesn't do something like that for nothing. God doesn't come and robe himself in flesh and suffer for nothing. He did it for you. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come buy, eat, come buy wine and milk without money and what without price. Whatever your need may be, if you are lost in sin, if you've got a child that is hooked on drugs, if you have a situation that seems irreparably lost, if you have a physical need that you've been suffering with for a while, whatever it may be, let me tell you something else. Whatever it is that you need, if it's big to you, it's big to God. Nobody else may care, but if you care about it, God cares about it. So Jesus asked, do you want to be set free from this crippling bondage? Do you wish, do you desire, do you thirst, do you want to be made whole? And then he says, come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He says, behold, I stand at the door. This is amazing to me. You're the one with the need. And Christ has to stand there and knock until his knuckles bleeding. To get you to answer the door. For crying out loud, what is so important that it's worth more than your miracle? What is so important right now that you can't seem to, to grasp that Jesus, his footsteps can be heard by those who are spiritually discerning. You can hear the footsteps of Christ. He's walked into this room. The little children walked up and they recognized it and they cried and they lifted their hands. Why can't you also discern that the Lord Jesus Christ has come into this house to help you. You know what's wrong with some of you? I love you. I won't be back for a while, so don't worry. You know too much. 
Your problem is you know too much. You know all the reasons why you can't be healed. You know the medical facts about your case. You know it is physically impossible. You know why that loved one cannot be saved. A couple ladies in our church walked up to me one day and they said, Pastor, uh, we'd like to see our brother baptized in Jesus' name. I said, oh, that's great. And they said, but he's in the hospice house in Auburn. I said, oh. They said, can you go down and baptize him? I said, I cannot go today, but I have a friend in Lewiston. So I called Brother Todd Little, Brother Harold Churchill. And they said, we'll go over. The two ladies got a, a horse trough and they stuck it in the back of a pickup truck. And they drove the 45 minutes to Auburn and they carried this portable horse trough into the hospice house. They walked around the corner where their brother was terminally ill with cancer. I don't know how they got away with it, but they found a source of warm water and they started filling that tank. They even raided the fire extinguisher system. I don't know how they came out of there without handcuffs. All I know is that Brother Little and Brother Churchill carried this man and laid him in the water, baptized him in the name of Jesus, and put him back to bed. A week went by, and finally I was back where I could do some stuff. And I was in prayer that morning, and the Lord said, go down and pray for Clem that he might receive the Holy Ghost. So I went and got in my truck. I started down the road, and the phone rang. Pastor, would you go down to Auburn and pray for my brother that he might receive the Holy Ghost? I said, hmm. Yeah, well, well, I didn't make any promises. I didn't tell her I was on my way there already. I said, uh, where might he be? Where, where, where is this place? And they told me, and I punched it into my GPS. I said, well, I'll talk to you later. And I drove down to the hospice house. When I came around the corner, I saw this man as I entered the building and the room, and I, I heard him groan, and he was writhing on the bed. He was in so much pain. I walked up to him and I said, Clem, I've come to pray for you that you might receive the Holy Ghost. But first I'm going to pray that God takes away your pain. God instantly took his pain away. Then I laid my hand upon him and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and Clem started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. And I'm standing there watching God do this stuff and I'm realizing that God has a purpose and a plan for everybody's life. I said, my God, 
I'm standing here in this hospice house. This man's speaking in tongues, and I'm the only one hearing it. So I whip out my phone, and if I'd have thought of it before service, I still have it. I would have pulled it up for you, and I would have played it. So I recorded Clem, and he's he's talking in tongues, and, and I'm praising God, and I don't know what the nurse nursing staff was thinking. It's usually a quiet place at the hospice house. And we're having a Holy Ghost time. So I go, I get on my phone and I text. I said, uh, your brother's talking in tongues right now. Well, Sunday night, they didn't know I had recorded it. I brought these two ladies up to the platform. I said, I have something I'd like to play for these ladies. It was their brother. And I punched a button, I put the microphone up, and all of a sudden, they heard their brother speaking in other tongues. They jumped off that platform and they ran the aisles. <laughs> and just a little bit after that, Clem went on to his eternal reward. I'm telling somebody in this house that God has a plan and God has a purpose and God has a place and God has a time and this is the time and this is the place and this is the season for you to receive your miracle. But faith and fact rarely agree. So if you're one of these factual people, God bless you. I know that you're a very rational, factual person. You have to put that aside for a moment. Because faith and fact very rarely agree. Fact says those are big walls. Faith says they're coming down. Fact says I'm blind. Faith says but I will see. Fact says, uh, this is terminal. Faith says, uh, not with Jesus. I want you to lift your voice and your hands with me for a moment. moment to, and let's give God some praise. Come on, just praise him for a moment. I, I'm skipping through, so... I'm getting to the end so God can do what he wants to do. Suddenly Jesus walks up and says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. He brushed aside his excuses. He looked beyond his faults and saw his need. He issued a command. He said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And by this time, the attention of everybody around the pool of Bethesda was on Jesus and the lame man. And some were snickering behind their hands saying, ha, ha, ha. If this Jesus only knew how many times this guy's tried to walk and fallen down. Why, he's been trying to walk for 38 years. He's been here long. Longer than any of us. He'll never walk. It was no accident that Jesus chose this particular man out of the multitude because he was the most helpless. He was the most hopeless. And Jesus specializes in the helpless and the hopeless. This man had been crippled for 38 years with prolonged disappointments. This man could offer more excuses than any of them. He could have said, arise, that's what I've been trying to do all my life. Or he could have said, 
Here you are. You come in one day and tell me to get up. He could have said, why, the water's not even stirred. Everybody knows this is not how miracles are done here. See, some of you folks got a little problem. I'm going to tell you what your problem is. You're expecting God to come in a particular way and heal you. And God will not fit in your box. Some people will be healed and there won't be one shred of heat they will feel. Some people will feel the heat of God's healing power going into their body. Some people will not even know they're healed until they go home and they start to take their medication and realize, my God, I'm not even in pain. The little lady went up, and this was in Great Britain many years ago. She went up and the evangelist was an old fellow that believed that Sickness had its roots in sin. Now, he did not believe that you were sinning, and that's why you were sick. He just said, if it had not been for Adam and Eve sinning in the garden, there would be no sickness. And in that, he was correct. So he would walk up to people, and he would say, where are you hurting? If they said in the stomach, he'd punch you in the stomach. And he'd say, in the name of Jesus Christ. So this very proper English woman came walking up, very distinguished, uh, and she's walking up in the line to be prayed for, and she has a goiter swinging from her neck. It's a gross thing. It's hanging down, actually swinging as she walks. She got up in front of him, and he got angry at the devil, and he slapped that goiter. She said, well, that's how it is. And she slapped the preacher across the face. <laughs> and she turned and she walked out. She walked a block or two to her flat, went into her apartment, angry, walked into her bathroom and was beginning to get ready for bed. And she looked into the mirror, and the goiter was gone. <laughs> she quickly changed her attitude. She ran back down to the church. She walked up to the man of God, and she said, Oh, man of God, I'm so sorry. I did not understand. I did not understand. Oh, man of God, I'm so sorry. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to get angry at the devil that's causing a lot of trouble in your life. There's a lot of demons that are trying to bring grief and physical maladies and spiritual maladies and all kinds of abnormalities that no psychiatrist is going to be able to touch and no doctor is going to be able to heal because this situation has its roots in the supernatural and what you need to do is say okay now in the name of Jesus I'm a child of God. Satan I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The spirit of heaviness. I command it to go. Because there are, is, there are some cases of depression that will immediately be rectified when the spirit of heaviness is cast out. You see, we're different from all the other churches. We're different from all the other denominations. Our fathers are the apostles. 
We have been handed down to us authority and power over all devils. Now I'm going, to be, I'm going to be straightforward with somebody. There's some of you that's dealing with a situation that will not be rectified until you cast that spirit out of your home. You need to walk into that home today and say, now the blood of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Some of you have been depressed and you don't even know why you're depressed. And some of you have been anxious and you don't even know why you're anxious. But I'm going to reveal it by the Holy Ghost. That is a spirit that comes from hell. And the only remedy is to say, all right, you've had your day. It's over. Now my day begins. In the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, I claim my healing. See, the devil wants you to mope. He wants you to despair. He wants you to feel hopeless. He loves to see you as you wiggle around. He loves to see you at night crying yourself to sleep. He loves to see you when you're alone being anxious and wondering why am I feeling so nervous right now. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I am delivering you from a spirit of anxiety. Some of you have been anxious too long. Rise to your feet and be delivered now from a spirit of anxiety. It's a spirit that the Bible calls the spirit of fear. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, whom I serve with all my heart, I command that spirit of fear that's been trying to bother you, I command it to be bound in the name of Jesus, and I cast it into the pit in the name of Jesus. You shall not leave this building bound by fear anymore. You shall not leave this building bound by anxiety. Mama, you're getting it right now. Dad, you're getting it right now. Son and daughter, you're getting your answer right now. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I know what some of you are waiting on. You'll wait until God strikes you with a bolt of lightning, and then you're going to do the Pentecostal whirly bird. And you're going to shout. You might even run the aisle. You might even get so carried away, you become a holy roller. But I'm going to command you to do something different than that. I'm going to command you to begin to shout before the wall comes down. I'm going to command you to begin to shout before you feel the anger. Come on, shout, shout, for the Lord has given you the victory. Shout unto the Lord, for the Lord has given you the victory. Shout before you feel it. Now, now, the second step, the second step, how would you worship when you realize you have been delivered? I want you to worship exactly like you would after the pain is gone, and then the pain will be gone. So you begin to worship God with thanksgiving in your heart as though it already was, because the Bible said when you pray, believe that you have it, and you shall have it. Are you ready? Now I just saw a spirit of carnality try to grip somebody and say, don't do it, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. How do you want to wait 38 more years? You go right ahead. It's your party. 
and you can cry if you want to. But those of us that are sick and tired of being sick and tired, those of us who are sick and tired of not getting our answer, I want you to begin to worship. I want you to envision how you would worship the moment after you realize you've been healed. Go ahead, worship him now, just like you would if it had already happened. While you're worshiping God, I say unto you, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. I say unto thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, be loosed from this infirmity. Listen, 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 listen. Some miracles happen as a result of faith, but some miracles happen as a result of obedience. The lame man at the pool of Bethesda was not healed because he had faith. He was healed because he obeyed. Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And he just obeyed the Lord. And if you would obey the man of God when he says worship like you would after you really feel the total healing, you would find what the lame man found. That as soon as he began to roll up his bed, his feet, his ankles, his legs, his torso begin to receive strength. He was healed by obedience. <laughs> to the ten lepers. Go show yourself to the priest. And offer the sacrifices that Moses said to offer for a testimony unto them. And as they walked. As they obeyed. They were healed. Sister, if you just begin to ran, radically worship God right now, there's a miracle for you. You've been under a spirit of heaviness. You've been under a spirit of heaviness, but God is going to deliver you right now. Give God radical praise. No, no, I said radical praise. I don't care if you feel it or not. Just give God radical praise. I command that spirit of heaviness to leave her alone and let the spirit of faith, let the spirit of faith take over in her life. There it is. Now the Holy Ghost is breaking through. He's breaking through upon her. And as they walked, they were healed. You know who has the most hard time getting their healing? Those who have been saved the longest. 
We've seen it all. We know a lot of stuff. Now, I wouldn't pick on you for nothing. But you came here with a heavy burden. You've been living for God a long time. And you really can't afford to have any more sticks laid on the load you're carrying. I'm going to command you in the name of Jesus. You know who you are right now. I'm going to command you to worship God so radically that you'll surprise yourself. You're not normally the one that gets mightily moved externally. You pride yourself in being a private person. You love God intensely. But today I command you in the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to worship God for your miracle, whether it be for you or for someone else. I want you to absolutely go berserk giving God praise. And I want you to do it now. for you but for this city I declare victory for Omaha I declare victory for you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth Well, just try doing the Pentecostal whirly bird or something. Just try doing something that's absolutely not you. Preacher, why would you say that? Because you got to get out of yourself. You've built a prison around yourself. You got to get out of that prison. You built it. You allowed the devil to construct it. Now you got to break out of it in the name of Jesus. But preacher, I've been waiting for this miracle for 38 years. I've been waiting. I'm telling you, your wait is over. Get out in the aisle and begin to worship the Lord and praise God and thank Him for your healing. I just follow the leading of the Lord. Somebody came in here with severe back pain. Somebody came in here today with severe back pain. And I declare unto you in the name of Jesus that pain has to go now. By the authority of the name of Jesus, by the authority of the blood of Jesus, by the authority of the power of Jesus, I command that 
demon of infirmity to leave your back right now. It's a spirit of infirmity, and I command it to go. Whoever you are, begin to shout unto God right now. You might even try bending over and doing something you normally can't do without pain. I just felt virtue flowing. Well, I don't see anybody trying to reach their toes. I guess somebody's got hard hearing. We'll have to pray for that next. Has anybody gotten a negative medical report in the last few months? One, two, three, four. Would it be all right with you if the Lord changed that situation in your life right now? Is it okay? No, I have to ask you, wilt thou be made whole? You're willing. Step out in the aisle that's done right now by the authority of his majesty, Jesus Christ. Go ahead, begin to praise God. Just begin to worship him for it. I speak in his majesty's name, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Negative medical report. I know what you're trying to do, devil. You're trying to cripple that woman. But in the name of Jesus, she shall not be crippled. She shall walk without pain in the name of Jesus. I see a miracle. I see a miracle. I see a miracle. It ain't over yet. I'm the only one with the plane to catch, so don't worry about it. Somebody that received a negative medical report. And it's been a report that it's been worrisome to you. You want to be healthy to do what you need to do, and that prognosis was not good. Anybody here in that category, and you feel and you believe in your heart that God has healed you, lift your hands. And begin to worship God again. I know I say that a lot, but I mean it every time I say it. Give God the praise. Woman, thou art loosed from this infirmity. In the name of Jesus Christ. Woo! Rabo santa la la santa la bahata. Cause in the name of Jesus... There's power to set you free. In the name of Jesus, there's glorious victory over sin, disease, and sickness. Power to walk in liberty through faith 
in his wonderful name. Well, we're in a meeting like this. You only have two options. Do what you're supposed to or miss it. Your call. Just curious. Now, you notice no one really had to lay on hands, and we believe in the laying on of hands, but how many people felt either something happened to your psyche or something happened to your physical body? Would you just wave your hand to the Lord if you felt that? Now, don't do it unless you, unless you believe it. You believe it happened. Pastor, I want you to look around. All over this building, there are miracles that have taken place. You'll be receiving testimonies of various sorts of things that God has done in this meeting this morning. Oh, well, when you're having fun, you have to stop sometime. And I think that time has come. How do you feel? Feel awesome. Well, that's the way you're supposed to feel. How about the child that feels called to the ministry? How do you feel? Ooh, it got real quiet when I said that, didn't it? I want all the children to give a big praise to God. Such great kids, and we've had them in here a long time. They've reached the, the uh, endurance limit, I think. But they've done very well. But I especially want the child that feels like God's got a calling upon your life. Once you lift your hands and give God the praise, for surely at this time, lift your hands. Don't look around. Just lift your hands. For surely the hand of God rests upon you right now. And you shall be used of the Lord to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Powell, turn it back to you. Thank you for having me come. I Listen, I must have blown it the last time. It's been eight years since I got invited back. So I must have really blown it the last time I preached in the church of Omaha. But I tried to make up for it today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Librado, would you come here? Miguel, would you come here? Amen. Miguel, I put the wrong date. I'll have to redo this and give you a new one with the right date. But last Sunday, right over there where he was just sitting, Miguel began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave him utterance. And today, not only was he water baptized, but he was spirit baptized as well. I want to. I want to just tell you real quick how how this is how simple it was. I asked him on the way, and I said, "Do you, you know what the Holy Ghost is?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "You know what speaking tongues?" And he goes, "Yeah, it's like talking to God." And I'm like, "Yeah, close enough." And I said, "Well, the Bible talks about stammering lips and another tongue." I said, "When you come up out of that water, when you feel that, just begin to praise God." Pastor Lucas, it weren't but just a few, maybe a sentence or two, and he's speaking in tongues. As the Spirit gives utterance. Hallelujah. I know we've done a lot of shouting and, and all, but I wonder one more time. 
for what God has done in this place and these young men and in your life, would you shout glory? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Almost don't want it to end, do you? But here's the good part. It doesn't end. Because what we have in us is eternal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag into something that the man of God said last night. This isn't just going to happen here in a special service on a Saturday or a Sunday. The testimonies, Bishop, we're going to start hearing is you're going to take this to your job, your school, your neighborhood, your apartment complex, Norfolk. Come on. I'm believing it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe I'm going to start getting texts saying, my coworker's been healed. Is the baptistry available? And it is. I'm here every day. I'll baptize everybody. I'll baptize people every day. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's about to do a great work in your life, through your life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless one another. Greet one another. If you get a chance, thank Bishop Stoops for coming. Amen. And bless him as well. I love all of you. Thank you for tuning in online. God bless you in Jesus' name.